welcome back to Recharge Radio, your one-stop spot to get spiritually recharged for your day. My name is Andy, and I welcome you to The Water Wheel. Previously, Spurgeon spoke to us briefly but powerfully upon the serious faults of thoughtlessness. And he shall return today to reveal the secret causes of such faults. We shall now investigate some of the secret causes of human indifference to topics so important. In the case of many thoughtless persons, we must lay the blame to the sheer frivolity of their nature. Some individuals appear to have a brain case which was never properly filled. Like butterflies, they flit from flower to flower, but gather no honey. Look at the life of many in the West End, who pass all their existence in dressing and undressing, distributing bits of cardboard, riding in carriages, bowing and scraping and eating and drinking. These notable do-nothings remind me of a set of butterflies flitting about a field of poppies. Nor are the poorer districts clear of such beings. Note the many fellows who go loafing from public house to public house, lolling and dawdling about from morning till night, as if they had nothing whatever to live for but to talk and booze. I hope that is not the case with any of you. If so, let me remind you that you may live in jest, but you will have to die in earnest. You may waste this life in frivolity, but you will have to spend the next in eternal damnation. The moth may play, but the candle burns it, and then it suffers in earnest. You will come to be earnest enough when you wake up and find yourself condemned of God. Oh, if you are a fool, or have been a fool up to this moment, may God sober you and make you wise to number your days. I have no doubt that in every case, however, the bottom reason is opposition to God himself. You do not think of God because you do not like him. Nothing will persuade you to consider because you do not love the subject to be considered. If you are called to consider a topic which is pleasurable to you, you very readily turn to it. But in this case, for 50 or 60 years or more, you have shunned this topic. Though it has been forced upon you in all sorts of ways, you have either huffed it off in bad temper or smiled it off in pleasantry. And when it has come upon you in the cool of evening, when you have been alone, you have called it having the blues and have gone off into company to get rid of it. The real reason is that you have no love to your God. Now this argues a base mind. It is disgraceful that you should not love one so infinitely good, noble, generous, and just. His character engrosses the admiration of all honorable spirits and will commend itself to you if you are not bad at heart. Consider how depraved you must be not to love the perfect one. Upon some minds, the tendency to delay operates fearfully. Probably if I went round this place, I should not find a single person who attends always to remain indifferent towards God and the world to come. Nobody here intends to be lost. I do not suppose that any of you has chosen to make his bed in hell. You have all good intentions, and you mean one of these days to carry them out. Ah, and out of those who have now shut up in Tophet, there are very few, if any, who resolved to be there. The most of them meant one day to seek the Lord, but death came and found them still sleeping. As I fear, he will find many of you. Do you know that you are in the presence of death now? He spreads his wing, even now over your head. Out of his vast company, some of us must soon feel his dart. 
One of our city missionaries was witness to a dreadful scene, when in the poorhouse we found persons playing cards, using for a table a coffin covered with a white cloth. The coffin contained the father of the family. This was a mournful instance of a hardness of heart. But in some aspects, all triflers with religion are in much the same condition. For their souls are in jeopardy of eternal wrath, and yet they persevere in their merriments. They enjoy their frivolities while God's sword is furbished and bathed in heaven, and must ere long smite them to destruction. If they could see where they are now and what they are, they would no more be able to enjoy themselves than the man would sit down and feast beneath a gallows tree, or laugh with his neck bared and fixed between the knife of the guillotine. Oh, that men were wise, and that they would consider this. Put not off reflection, for death is near, and it is putting off and putting off, which is Satan's most potent engine of destruction. Some make an excuse for themselves, for not considering eternity, because they are such eminently practical men. They are living for the realities of the nature of hard cash, and they will not be induced to indulge in fancies and notions. For my part, I feel great sympathy with them in their downright practicalness. I too am a matter-of-fact man, without speculation or fancy in me. What I want is facts. I only wish that those who profess to be practical were more truly so. For a practical man always takes more care of his body than of his coat. Certainly then, shall he not take care more of his soul than of the body, which is but the garment of it? If he were truly practical, he would do that. A practical man will be sure to consider matters in due proportion. He will not give all his mind to a cricket match and neglect his business. And yet, how often your practical man still more greatly errs. He devotes all his time to money-making and not a minute to the salvation of his soul and his preparation for eternity. Is this practical? Why, sir, Bedlam itself is guilty of no worse madness than that. There is not in all yon onwards a single maniac who commits a more manifest act of insanity than the man who spends all his force upon this fleeting life and lets the eternal future go by the board. I have no doubt, with a great many, their reason for not thinking about soul matters is prejudice. They are prejudiced because some Christian professor has not lived up to his profession, or they have heard something which is said to be the doctrine of the gospel, which they cannot approve of. Now, if this morning I stood here and said, Attend to me, give you souls up to my guidance, be led by me, I should admire you for saying, We shall do no such thing. But I disclaim all idea of wishing to be a priest to any one of you. My teaching always is, There is God's Bible. Read it and judge for yourselves. You have brains. Use your brains. My judgment was never meant to excuse you from using your own. If any man asks you to let him put a ring in your nose so that he may lead you as a farmer does a bull, away with him. What can he be but an imposter? We say search for yourselves. Come to God's book, to God's own revealed truth. Come to Jesus Christ and find salvation in him. Surely you ought not to be prejudiced against the faith which speaks after this fashion. In most cases, men do not like to trouble themselves, and they have an uncomfortable suspicion that if they were to look too narrowly into their affairs, they would find, them, find things far from healthy. They are like the bankrupt before the courts the other day who did not keep books. Not he. He did not know how his affairs stood, and moreover, he did not want to know. He did not like his books, for his books did not like him. He was going to the bad, and therefore he tried to forget it. 
they say of the silly ostrich that when she hides her head in the sand and does not see her pursuers, she thinks she is safe. That is the policy of many men. They spread their sails and get up the steam and go with double speed straight ahead. What? Not look at that chart? No, they do not want to know whether there are rocks or breakers ahead. Arrest that captain, put him in irons, and find the sane man to take charge of the vessel. Oh, for grace to arrest that folly, which is the captain of your barku, and put sound sense in command, or else a spiritual shipwreck is certain. That's all from us this week at Recharge Radio. God bless and have a great weekend. 